Oh, this is going to be fun. We have a question for you today from the heart of our correspondent to all things literary, Dr. Rosalie DeRose. And the question is, what is the book? What's the spine? What's the cover look like that when you see it, it does something inside you? Other than the Bible, what book makes your heart leap for joy? Fiction, nonfiction, it could be a technical manual or a classic novel, or that illustrated book of fairy tales that your mother read to you or that your dad read to you. We're going to talk about the power of the written word today to do something inside us that we need to have done. And if you don't have a book that comes to mind, I hope you'll listen. I think this will be instructive, maybe a little challenging in some ways, and helpful. You can answer the question on Facebook. We have a number of people who've done that already, and even taken pictures. I love it. I took a picture and put it up there. Or you can call us. Let's get going. Thanks to our team. Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer today in the chair. Lynn will be answering your calls. Uh, Before we get to Rosie, a few months ago, I chose a book to send to supporters during the month of January. This program's listener-supported. If you didn't know that, your gifts provide our daily excursion. Thank you for your help. And because I struggle with prayer, I chose a little book by Dr. William Thrasher. Dr. Thrasher wrote a book titled How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, and it has really helped over the last month as I've gotten back into it. We talked with him in the fall, too. Maybe you've given up on prayer, and because it's something that God has told us to do, maybe that's the hang-up for you. You know that you have to do it, so it feels like a have-to instead of a want-to or a desire. If you're satisfied with where you are with your prayer life, God bless you, friend. But if you're not... We only have six days left in this offer. Call or click through today, 866-95-FABRY, or go to chrisfabrylive.org. In October, we gave away a book on decluttering by Dana K. White. One real spiritual, it's just real practical. And earlier this month, Dana came back on with us, and there were callers and emails from people who said, this has changed my house. It's changed my office. It's changed, really it's changed my life because I don't have as much clutter as I used to. Just getting a vision of how to do it. Now, here's my question. What might happen in your soul if this little book on prayer grabs a hold of your heart? What might you tell me four months from now? If you can give a gift, great. If you can't, don't let it stop you. 866 953 2279, or go to org. scroll down, you'll see how you can be a friend or partner today. And thanks for your support of the Radio Backyard Fence. Dr. Rosalie DeRose is one of our favorite people around here. She's a recently retired professor of literature, English, and homiletics at Moody Bible Institute, where she's worked 54 years, and she's still working there. She's t- still teaching. She spoke in chapel today. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, howdy. You missed a good one. <laughs> She earned her MA in English from Northeastern Illinois University, MDiv from Trinity, PhD from the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's the author of Unseduced and Unshaken, The Place of Dignity and a Woman's Choices, and the forthcoming book that is coming <laughs> forth, still coming forth. It's a process. Rosie, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm tired, but very glad to be here. <laughs> I am glad you're here, too. And, I, and just judging from the Facebook responses, I think this is going to be fun. Here's... Here's the truth. This program was your idea. You and I were going back and forth about a novel that I suggested to you, and you were reading it, and you were going back and forth and saying, boy, this is hard, but I'm glad I read it. 
And you said, I love David Copperfield as a child. It is still my favorite Dickens. I have the little green English copy my mother read to me when I was probably not even six. It has no date, so it's probably very old. My heart feels something even looking at the book. (laughs) And then later in the email, you said it would be interesting to include in this discussion of books, uh, books that people have had for a long time, and what they feel even about the looks of them, just a thought. And that's so that's where this program came from, right? Yes, that's right. Just these spontaneous things come up, Chris, and you pick up on them. Tell me the little green English oh, copy. I, I went and dug it out after that. Well, I it's a tiny book, small but very thick. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not 39. I'm sure my mother read it to me when I was about five, and I loved it. And there were hard details in Dickens. Uh, which everybody knows it was written later in his life, actually. And it's very autobiographical. But the book, it's green. It's undated. I bet you it's early 20th century, if not before. It's hard Hard copy. It has a few pen and ink sketches kind of of the characters inside. I can go through that and I can... I can remember even the parts of it. And there were details in it, like Steerforth, who was a bad guy, and his taking advantage of a a girl called Little Emily. And I didn't realize what was going on and later found out. But the absolute atmosphere of his rescue by Aunt Betsy Trotwood, who was like, you know, a grandma in combat boots, all those things are palpable. And I can't look at that book without absolute affection. Grandma with combat boots. <laughs> Which I probably that, would be. You got to put that in the new book. Okay, so <laughs> I always know that we've we've hit on something when a member, uh, another member of the staff at Moody Radio, writes me, and Deb Solomon did again, and she said, "The Last Battle" by C.S. Lewis. Oh wow! I'll never forget how free I felt after finishing that book. I was about thirteen. I finished it on the beach put the book down and went into the water enjoying God's love and planned oh. for our world like I'd never done before. It stays with me to this day. That Isn't it good? It's beautiful. And that's what books are about. That's why we need books, not screens. <laughs> Sing it. Physical Sing it, books. <laughs> okay, so so he, that's the that's the topic. What is the book that brings joy to your heart? And I said other than the Bible, you know, you can you can t- and there were some who uh gave, you know, there was a, a specific kind of study Bible that they use and it, huh. and it brings joy to their heart. There's another, and some people took pictures and I love this oh, one. Wow. It, it was uh, Lisa Ann who said, a book that brings joy to me in my current life, my gratitude journal. So it's not huh. even something somebody else read. I write my daily joys and word of the day every day and share a photo on my personal Facebook page to encourage others to keep a record of their gratitude expressing thanksgiving to God for each blessing, whether small or large. And I thought, well, that doesn't really fit. And then I thought, yes, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> because she, this is something that when she sees, and she took a picture of the journal with the pen sticking out of there with a different color, you know, that you can click in there, and then all of the different colors on the front of that. That's, what, that's the question for yeah. you today. What is it that when you pass by your book, or I had it happen to me at the library, I used to go past the 808 section at the library, and I would see this one book, and I would, I remember checking this thing out a million times, I'll tell you about it. I took a picture of it and put it on our Facebook page as well, but I want you to call me. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. 
Dr. Rosalie DeRose is with us today. 877-548-3675. The book that when you see it, you could see it online. You could just see a picture of it online and something sparks inside your soul. Ever have that happen to you? A lot of people, it's happened to them on Facebook. Here's our number, 877-548-3675. One of those books, for me, is To Kill a Mockingbird with the picture of the tree on the front of it, Mm -hmm. Rosie. You know, the original publication Mm -hmm. of that is just like, Mm -hmm. and I've got one of those. I think it was the 50th anniversary that they published that, uh, that I have. But the book for me that I mentioned in the library, in the 1980s, I got the bug to write. I really wanted to write. And I would spend some time in the library in Bolingbrook, Illinois. At the time, the library had the 800 section in the in the basement. Mm-hmm. So you had to go down the stairs, you turn around, turn past the magazines and everything. And you get to the 808 section. It was all of how to write poetry, how to write prose, how to write novels. How to, blah, blah, blah. And there was a book titled How to Write Best-Selling Fiction, Discover the Keys to Success in Today's Market for Novels. I'm still reading it, trying to figure it out. <laughs> By Dean Kuntz. And I had, you know, Kuntz is a prolific novelist. I never got into his novels. I didn't, I didn't feel a connection. But when I read this book, here's what it did. It, he, the way that he wrote was as if he were speaking directly to me, wow. saying, if you really want to do this, you can do it. But wow. it's going to be hard. And you're going to have to do this. And you're going to, and now this is back in the 1980s. And I check that book out a million times, and even when I'd go in and, and wouldn't check it out, I'd, I'd pause and just linger because of what that did on the inside of me. I, I understand. One day I walked down to the basement, and it wasn't there. And I thought, well, somebody else must have checked it out. I came back, and it wasn't there. I went to the library, and I said, well, do, you have, do you know where this book is? And she <laughs> said, oh, yeah, it got kind of worn. We threw it away. <gasps> <sighs> that's yeah, like a that's, death. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. Oh. But you know what? I, for a kind librarian at, uh, let's see, the school, I think it, was, it says it in here, a kind librarian at a school in Oklahoma. Uh, I got it through interlibrary loan, and I wrote, and I said, here's the story. And the librarian wrote back, if you send us a few of your books, we'll send it to you. Oh, <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Yes. That's marvelous. I know what out-of-print books mean to people. And so, and this hasn't been checked out for a long time. I'm going to send it to you. Isn't that great? That's fantastic. And it's worth, you know, if I wanted to turn around and sell it on eBay, it's worth a couple hundred dollars at least. Oh, is that right? But you're not prying it out of my hands. I'm... This is going to my kids. Anyway, but that's, it, you know, it's not the spiritual. There's nothing spiritual on no, the inside. No. It's the thing that happens on the inside of yeah, me. That's, that's that, what you're talking about, that, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I have a whole section of my parents. We were poor, but we lived in Peru. My parents would go to the capital, and apparently there were a lot of British bookstores in the capital, and they would bring us back little children's books. I remember the kind about the little mice. I still have them. Mm-hmm. They're valuable. And then English novels with those gorgeous, lavish colors covers and illustrations inside of them. And I still have them. Here they are, 70 years old, and, you know, musty, a little bit of mold. I mean, brown, those brown spots here and there. But 
but I look at them and it's a piece of your life. I think what books do is they they put a concreteness to your life. They take you back to a place and all the longings that were present and who you were as a child and who your parents were. And that's why the sadness of seeing houses that have no books in them is so mm. hard for me. I have books in every bo- every every room of my house. Yeah, I have a friend that feels that way about the childcraft books, you know, the whole set of childcraft, complete with their illustrations. Yeah, and there are pictures that one of the things we talked about, there are books that have pictures in them that you may remember the picture, and it gives you a sense of adventure. And it once again takes you back to some longing or profound part of your childhood. I was given a King James Bible, which I don't have anymore because it's too long of a story. But it, I had that. It had the um, David and Goliath. Yes, and it yes. had David with the sling, yeah. and then because you always wonder what did Goliath look like. Well, there it is. <laughs> there you know? it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's a depiction yeah. of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now, folks, you know why I said this going to be fun. It's up to you to fill in the rest. Fill in the blank. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Dan's in Akron, Ohio. Dan, why did you call today? Well, as soon as you said about books, uh, love books, and the first book that popped into my mind is from Dr. Seuss, <laughs> great guy. <laughs> oh, the places you'll you go. go. Um, oh. Such a classic book, and uh, I've loved using it. I had the joy to read that book to my daughter's graduating class from high school. I got to use the book to my son's graduating class from high school. Anytime I see that book in a garage sale, I'm picking it up. In a thrift shop, I'm picking it up. <laughs> I probably have three or four copies mm-hmm. on my shelf because anytime somebody uh, makes reference to it, if they don't have it, then I go back to the back to my house and I get that book. It just has so many great quotes. That book. So oh, what does it do to you, though, Dan? What inside when you see it at a garage sale and you you say, "Oh, there it is." What's the feeling inside that you get? <laughs> Well, the first thing that happens is I show it to my wife, and she's like, not another one? (laughs) Another one. That's the first thing that happens. Uh, But um, I use it for motivational purposes, and I just feel that, oh, great, another opportunity to inspire someone. And again, you said earlier, there's nothing spiritual about the book, but if you take a line, you can use it for a sermon. It makes a great sermon ending or a great quote in this uh, sermon illustration. Um, so it just gets something inside of me and my wife would be like, why do you do this? I don't know. There's something inside that says, I've got to get that book again. And you don't have to apologize for it either. That's the other thing, Rosie. No, I mean, just the line, oh, the places you'll go. That does something to me. Yes. Oh, Dan, I'm glad you called. And you said before, there, there are no wrong answers here. Right, Rosie? No, 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 no. Uh, No judgmentalness here. Mark's in Aurora. Mark, tell me your book. Yeah, Chris, this is a book that you have mentioned you've had trouble making it through, but I want to tell you why it's worth your while. The title can seem academic and stuffy, and by the way, Rosie, this is Mark Lindsay. You and I email regularly. Uh, Yeah. But I, the reason, the reason I'm recommending Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton is that it reflects God's epulent, joyful nature. And I'll give you two illustrations of that. One is where he talks about the fact that our fallen nature has made us grow weary of appropriate repetition. 
and that mm-hmm. God doesn't have that weariness, just as little children don't. And he, Chesterton says that the reason we see sunrises and sunsets over and over again is not because God has run out of creativity, but because he loves them so much. <laughs> Chesterton says that God <laughs> jumps up and down and says, do that again, let's see that again. <laughs> and the other illustration is at the end of the book where Chesterton speculates on what, what was Jesus doing when he was in solitude with the Father? What was passing between him and his Father? And Chesterton says, and this is the last sentence of the book, I fancy that it was mirth. M-I-R-T-H. Oh, my goodness. No, and it's I'm a like, wonderful wow. book. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that beautiful. captures it. You know, that, 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 this is, that this is apparently the essence of the fellowship between the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. gaiety and laughter and joy. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah, and then, and I still have had a hard time getting through with it, Mark. <laughs> but thank you. And that's one of the things that I'm hoping this program will do. Because originally my idea was, let's have a you know new reading list for 2024. Mm-hmm. Rosie, mm-hmm. come on and challenge <laughs> us to read something different, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know a great program. It would be fine. But this program, this just hearing Mark's excitement about orthodoxy and what he got from it and what goes on inside of him may ignite a fire in somebody else to try something like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And I actually love that passage a friend pointed out to me about the repetition, how the sun and the moon come up every single uh, you know, day and that we never get tired of it. In fact, it's a structure to life. Yes. Okay, so a number of people have mentioned online the Mitford series. Mm-hmm. Beverly says, after the first book, I was hooked at home in Mitford. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mary says, also, when you read that series, you want to live in Mitford. Yeah, you <laughs> and, really do. And the people become real to you, your Father Tim and, and others. Uh, Tracy says, The Hiding Place. This is another that is uh, mm-hmm. mentioned over and over again. What is it about Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place, do you think, that ignites something inside of people? I I re-listened to it on my way when I was caring for my brother who died a couple years ago, and it gave me huge strength. There is something about the voice of that book that is just stunning. There's humility, there's honesty, there's imperfection, there's pain without it being so ghastly that you can't process it, and there is just profound belief in the character of God. And there's haltingness, there's brokenness, it's not triumphalism— but it is something that makes you stick it through and takes you back to the Lord's presence. I absolutely love the book. Yeah, and it's and it's a such a hard story and a hard, you know, just wrap your mind. Why did God is suffering in the world? Why did God yeah. allow this yeah, this kind right. of suffering? And if you if you have that question and it keeps you from God, you look at what Corey and Betsy went through and how Mm -hmm. Betsy helped her hang on to the goodness of God, even in the midst of, you know, in the lice and the the death and the destruction around them. Yeah. Um, And it has that element of miracle. There was no reason for her to be released. It was an accident. It was a clerical accident. Yeah. Maria is in Chicago. Maria, join the conversation. Hi. um, Thank you for answering me. And uh, one of the... um, book that really God uses to touch my heart was one of, from Elizabeth George, uh, mm-hmm. Woman After God's Heart, mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't raise, um, my mom didn't raise me, and I al- always was like, have this empty, 
in my emptiness in my heart mm-hmm. about our mother. And when somebody, I think, gave me this book, I started crying and crying because I was feeling like, like God, God was saying, like, using this book, like, like a mom, like, like give me uh, advices about about money, about how to praise him, about that he loves me, uh, to clean the house and how to clean the house. And I really, really uh, praise God for this uh, book uh, from Elizabeth Church that God uses like a mom. I'm like, I can, I don't know if you can understand, but it was like, yes, like yes. a mother talking to me. But it was, but I was like, praise the Lord. And if somebody's listening there that um, they, they didn't have a mother, I um, encourage you to buy this book. And and uh, I hope that the Holy Spirit also, you know, touch the heart and give you the happiness and uh, the good advices through this book. What That's wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> yes, and the deep, and that you know, touch the emotional part of you, and the longing you mentioned a little earlier, Rosie. But mm-hmm. also, she, uh, the same thing that I was talking about the book about writing. It felt like she was talking to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, the book yeah. mothered her. God sent her a mother in a book. <laughs> That's yes. wonderful. Maria, thank you for calling today. And again, that was Elizabeth George, a woman after God's own heart. Linda wants to talk with us from Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, Linda. Go right ahead. Hello there. Um, My favorite, well, as far as the thing that touches my heart the most when I look at the books on my shelf are my little red storybook, my little green storybook, and my little (laughs) blue storybook, because those are the ones um, that my brother had had apparently in school. And I think back in those days, they must have purchased their books. And so my mother still had those. And when I was about four years old, she started teaching me to read with those. So I've got, you know, Tom, see Tom, see Tom ride, and then Betty, and then Susan, and then Flip the dog, and um, the airplane. And, you know, it's like introducing you to one word, and then it kept using more and more into sentences. Mm -hmm. So those Mm -hmm. are the ones that really touch my heart and bring me joy when I think of books. Well, once again, we go back to a sense of place, of a a particular uh, time in your childhood, and of something very beautiful that happened as a result. And the connection that you mm. made. And it just, there's something about the pride of being able to start to see words. I can mm-hmm. even remember how much joy there was in putting the words on the page and making sense out of what they were saying to mm-hmm. me. I'm sure. You sparked a memory for me there, Linda, so thank you. Uh, the, the the Dick, Jane, Sally yeah, books, yeah. remember those? Yeah, okay, yeah. so that's what I used to read. And then we come home with the little cards I guess it would be in the first grade, the little cards with one word said on it. <laughs> um, and my dad would help me read the uh, Dick and Jane books. And there was one part in one book where they're uh, saying, see spot run, see Dick run, you know, mm-hmm, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it said, see, see, comma, O.C. <laughs> and my dad would say that. And he was, you know, he's not a big reader. He read the newspaper, the C.C.O.C., you know, and we we just were, were laughing at just a little kid that and that mm-hmm. mirth, you know, mm-hmm. that Mark was talking about came in there. Mm-hmm. That happened because of that mm-hmm. book, that, that book. little primer that we were, I was trying to figure out what are these squiggles on the page mean? Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it the is language amazing? amazing? <laughs> How did we get here? Yes. I don't know. Uh, okay. L-, L says, all creatures great and small. I mm. pursued an animal science degree because of this series wow. and my love of animals. 
and I'm watching the PBS series with my husband, just wholesome storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy says, I absolutely love Anne of Green Gables. Oh, yes, doesn't everybody or many people. <laughs> I love what that one, too. What is it about that? What is it? Is it the island? Is it real Marilla or what? She's a feisty character. I mean, she has a sense of tremendous voice. She's like, eh, eh, you know? And she's a, and she's an orphan. And I think she's an orphan. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and Marilla's kind of testy and really not very nice. And then the her brother is so lovely with Anne. But everybody changes a little. Anne never gets tamed mm. in the wrong way, but she gets tamed in the right ways. Marilla comes around and learns to love. Oh, that's a terrific series. It's a yeah. very engaging series. And Nothing, Gilbert. It's not Gilbert. sentimental. The slate over his head mm. when he called her carrot. And he oh, really yeah. likes yeah. her. And you, and, know, you, and you see oh, some of that interplay there. Biting tension. Oh, I remember when I was 12. Where was Gilbert going to come from? He never arrived. What can I say? Yes. Uh, these. So it doesn't have to necessarily be from your childhood, though Stacy says Charlotte's Web is oh, an old oh. friend. Oh, Isn't oh, that oh. true? You know, talking about pictures, there is a picture of the pig, the baby pig yeah. in Fern's arms. I can't get over it. It's so cute. Yes. I got a, I got a story about E.B. White, too, and a picture I have of him in my mind. And we'll get to that. And we'll get to your call at 877-548-3675. You see how we you know, transition there? It's pretty good. 877-548-3675. The book that when you see it, does something inside of you. I want to hear from you. Call or answer on Facebook. Find out more at chrisfabrylive.org. More with Rosie straight ahead. We're talking about books that do something inside when you see them. And the other day I got an email about a book by Frank Peretti. Now, you think I'm going to say This Present Darkness or Piercing the Darkness or one of those, right? The book that this listener was looking for was titled Tilly. And if you've read it, you know the secrets buried by Kathy and Dan. You also know the healing that comes in their lives. It's the kind of healing that CareNet is doing through their ARC ministry, abortion recovery and care. It's part of the pro-abundant life approach of CareNet, they want to save babies, absolutely. But they also know the pregnant mom and the, pre- and the father, who, if he's in the picture, they need help, they need hope. And so do the men and women who went ahead with that abortion and want to heal. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, click the green CareNet button. If you're struggling to live forgiven, they have material that you can go through, men or women. Someone you know needs CareNet or will need CareNet, and you might be the person who says, hey, there's this website. I clicked a green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. All you have to do is click that button, and you'll find out more. chrisfabrylive.org. Oh, Rosie, we are (laughs) just having so much fun here today with these books and, and the people who are sending the covers. We mentioned, just before we move on, we mentioned Charlotte's Web and the E.B. White was a, kind of a short, real slight 
gentleman, you know, and I remember seeing a picture of him. I can close my eyes and see it from a, a book that I used to have of him sitting at this wooden table with the window open, looking at the river, writing long hand. And I imagine him writing Charlotte. What's Papa doing with that axe? Don't you? <laughs> yes. Oh. Where's Papa going with that axe? I think is the actual <laughs> yeah. first line of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about you, Rebecca in Minnesota? Hi, Rebecca. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing great. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having this. Thank you so much for having this topic today because I could talk on and on about books. And my uh, ch- cherished book is Peter Marshall's The First Easter. I found it in college in the late seventies, and it's actually a you know a first printing edition, and so it's you know it looks very weathered and old. And it's actually one of those that I bought for my children for each of their homes as they establish their own homes because it's such a beautiful. Uh, it's such a beautiful tale of, of course, the first Easter, and it's based on a um, the sermon, actually the first sermon that Catherine ever heard him preach. And um, after he was gone, she oh. took that sermon and made it into a um, a book, and it's beautifully illustrated um, by William Hoffman. And it's just a cherished book in my life. And like I said, at Easter time, I pull it out and and try to go through it each Easter. And the first time I went through it, I, I wept the whole time mm-hmm. through just the beauty of, you know, of his description and how well he or was, a, you know, he was a wonderful orator and just how well he described that week in Christ's life. So, wow. so the, the same question then, Rebecca, books. same question then, when you, yeah. if you were to just pass by your bookshelf and see it, what happens inside? Yeah. I... Uh, you know, I I oftentimes pull it off and just thumb through the, the, the illustrations. And I remember those days I was in Bible college and just the world of our relationship with Christ was opening up to me in new ways. And I think this was a part of that, just yes. a, mm-hmm. a, a newer, deeper understanding of that week in Christ's life and all that redemption means for us as believers. And so exactly. um, it really is a special it's Special what Rosie book. just said. Mm-hmm. It's a marker, isn't it, Rosie? It's a marker. Mm-hmm. It's a marker. It's a, it, mm-hmm. it's the importance of place and time and specific moments that will never go away. Yeah. And the memory of the sweet aroma, it's almost like a fragrance it, that comes yes, up. Yes, you know? it is a fragrance. It appeals to lives. the senses in a, in a very profound way. Tom in Chattanooga, Tennessee is next. Hi, Tom. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Doing great. Uh, I'm really glad to get to speak to you, and especially to your guest. She livened up uh, lots of afternoons when I was driving my country FedEx route, and she would be a guest on your show (laughs) or on the show that your wife was on with some other ladies, and they would talk about books, and I always enjoyed that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, The book I'm... Uh, thinking about, I'll think about a lot of books and about the old bookmobile that came to our neighborhood and the smell <laughs> yes. of the old public library. And uh, yes. one thing that uh, stuck in my mind is uh, from uh, elementary school, probably, I uh, read the Sherlock Holmes stories. Hmm. And then when I got to college, I met a guy from, from uh, Kentucky who was about twice as smart as me. And uh, he brought uh, a copy of the complete Sherlock Holmes with him from home. It was 
thick book of the brown uh, cover, and it had on uh, on the hardback brown hardback cover. It had Arthur Conan Doyle's signature on there, and then the oh. I remember the brown the, the paper dust cover and how it's raggedy along the top and bottom, and it's got a picture of Sherlock Holmes on it, of course. And then uh, one quote that that I mentioned with friends, either in a, a Bible class or something. And and just go ahead and say it's from Sherlock Holmes' story. But sometimes I will be talking to somebody, and I will say this quote real seriously, like it's, it's a wise thought that I had, and they'll stop and look at me like, oh, "What do you? What is this? How do you know that?" So uh, your call screener said for me to have the paragraph ready in case you want me to to read you it. Do it, so, yeah, do it. go do for it. it. Okay, this is from the Adventure of the Naval Treaty. There's this fellow named Percy, and he's lost this naval treaty, or else it's been stolen from him. And Holmes and Watson go to his house in the country, and they're in a room talking to him and his wife, and he's distraught and just about to lose his mind. And uh, so Holmes stops it, kind of stops everything, and he's looking. He says, uh, said he walked past this, he walked past the couch to the open window and held up the drooping stalk of a moss rose, looking down at the dainty blend of crimson and green. It was a new phase of my of his character to me, for I had never before seen him show any keen interest in natural natural objects. And then Holmes makes a couple of three or four sentence comment about the uh, necessity of deduction in religion, and then he says, Our highest assurance of the goodness of providence seems to me to be in the flowers. All wow. other things, our powers, our desires, our food, are all really necessary for our existence in the first instance. But this rose is an extra. Its smell and its color and it's an, is an embellishment of life, not a condition of it. It is only goodness which gives extras. And so I say again that we have much to hope for from the flowers. <laughs> That is absolutely <laughs> stunning. That oh. was worth the whole program, just that. And we've got so many others. Oh. I love it. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> and, and Lynn transcribed that for us up here, Tom, just our highest assurance. And that I'm going to write that one in my journal, too. Oh, boy, too. that's a good one. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and it's it almost says, like you, oh, you have to take a breath after that. It's like it's yeah. because it's so real and so true. That's right. And I don't think that guy was twice as smart as you are. <laughs> if you <laughs> notice that, you... from Kentucky, yeah. Uh, uh, but this is really good. Is there any other book, Rosie, that you? Well, I'll let you you think about that during the break. Okay. But is there another book that does that same thing to you as the Green David Copperfield? We're going to hear from Rosie, as well as some other folks who call the phone number. Got a couple lines left open for you at eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. We have uh, Susan says the Trixie Belden series. What about I Love You Forever? That's what Larray says. After having two boys, this book means an awful lot to me. And there are there's a whole lot more. There's a lot of reading that we can do together. More straight ahead, right here on Moody Radio.
We're talking about the book that when you see it, it just does something on the inside. Walt says The Hobbit for him. Uh, others, here's Terry who says Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. I just read that, reread that uh, not long ago, and it, it did something on the inside. But here's one that I, you're not going to see anywhere else, folks. Uh, Patty and David, not sure who uh, sent all of these different books, but the last one is the Chattanooga Cookbook by Helen McDonald Exum, E-X-U-M. It has fantastic recipes and stories about some of the cooks, events, and localities in the Chattanooga area. Yes, it's a cookbook you can actually read. Um, it's a, it's one of the approximately 920-ish cookbooks my, in my mother's collection. Fortunately, oh I also have it in my collection of 412 <laughs> and read it and use it often. But a, but a cookbook, a cookbook does that. You know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking how cookbooks could do that. My little Peruvian cookbook means a lot to me. And Betty Crocker, because it was what yes. I started life in the kitchen with. And <laughs> believe me, I didn't know much. So, you know, I understand that. There's there's something about the physicality again, the stains on it where somebody dropped some grease on it, a hunk of apple that dried on it. It's so different than going online and getting a recipe. Yes. And then the recipes that you have written by mm -hmm. your mother, oh, your grandmother, your great-grandmother that yeah. have been handed down. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there it is again. There's that sense of place. It's that sense mm -hmm. of connection with someone that you love. Uh, Pam is in Indiana. Pam, why did you call today? Well, I'm going to say also that I'm nodding my head when I hear you talk about the Betty Crocker cookbook because <laughs> I totally relate to that. So. Yeah. And then a couple, one other thing, Chris, I have an adopted grandparents. They're now deceased and cousins with the last name of Fabry. So oh, you don't hear really? that too often. They were, they were from Warren, Ohio. Yeah. So I just had to share that. You know, well, uh, then, this happened with a, with a caller or an emailer or something um, who would say when we, we look through phone books and look for the people in our name. And I remember doing that, going, you know, to the beach or going to a ball game and you'd, you'd stay in a hotel and you'd look through the phone book and you'd look for your last name. I wonder if there's anybody who lives here. But, but now, right. you know, with the Internet yeah. <laughs> and with Rosie and her phone, yeah. you know, she's just always <laughs> looking at that phone. That's her problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this was Sam Fabry was his name. But anyhow, Got it. Um, the book that I that I thought of was Hind Feet on High Places by mm -hmm. Hannah Hernard. And it's an old book. It's an allegory. And I read it years ago and when you were talking about how it affects you i think it was a marker at that time in my life and um it's about the main character is much afraid and she lives in the valley of humiliation and she longs to go to visit with the shepherd who comes down to the valley daily and then she wants to go up the mountain with him and it's just about that journey um and it's just really a beautiful book I can't tell you how many students I've had that have absolutely loved that book. Very, Michelle, very well loved. Michelle agrees with you, and here's what she says. It impacted me deeply the first time I read it. Many years ago, I revisited it. My original copy wore out from all the rereading. had to buy a new one. My favorite quote is, The thing about altars is that they make possibilities out of apparent impossibilities. Oh, wow. Wow, <laughs> that's that a great good? quote. Wow. I like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
And Chris, I appreciate your show so much. Pam, I appreciate you telling us that. Thank you for the encouragement. Keep it coming. And we move to Susan, who's in the same state. She's just around the corner in Indianapolis. Hi, Susan. Go right ahead. Hello. Um, Yes, when I was very young, well, I was born blind, and my mother used to read to us out of A Child's Garden of Verses by Robert Louis Stevenson. Mm -hmm. And I just love that book. And when I found I could get my own copy in Braille, I just jumped at the chance. Wow. That's wonderful. She was very inspired by um, his perseverance in writing, and even though he spent a lot of his life uh, ill and in bed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she uh, battled her own uh, polio for a couple of years, and having a blind daughter, she wanted to make sure that I was inspired with the same inspiration that she got from him. Wow. It's a lovely story. Susan, let me ask you this, because obviously you're not going to pass by and see the book and have something happen to you. But when you feel the words on the page, do you ever hear your mother reading that to you? Yes. And actually, it's sitting on my bookshelf above my computer, and sometimes I'll, I'll touch it, and I'll just, ooh, yeah, there it is. Ooh, that's it. That's the. I like that. The, ooh, and again, the connection of of your mom reading that to you, and then being able to read it on your own. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic story. Here's one from Mary on Facebook. She says this book, and it's an old, it's a tattered cover, and it's and it's. Let's see. The, the illustration is not, you know, the, the, the most, um, the greatest. It's just kind of a plain illustrated book of a, of a teenager, it looks like, sitting alone. And Mary says this book, Best Friend, is about two girls who are best friends and the sadness when one of them teams up with somebody else but later finds many other friends in her life and learns other things are important, too, than focusing on one person. It's a cute story from Scholastic Book mm-hmm. Services. Mm-hmm. Do you remember oh, that? Yes. Did and you we ever go, order? Yes. Weekly Reader. I remember all those little paperbacks that were thirty nine cents. Yes. Well, that dates me. <laughs> but you could you could order them, and they'd come the mm-hmm. day that the books came, and yes. you had ordered one, and you got yeah. one to hold yeah. in your hand, yeah. and you took it home. Wasn't that a great? It day? was very exciting. <laughs> All right, so Charlotte is up next in Minnesota. Hey, Charlotte, how are you? Hi, Chris. Hi, Rosie. Hi. Good to talk to you. You too. My favorite book for, for all time, I think, is Red Light, Green Light. It was a children's book, and it started out red light, green light, <laughs> red light in a kitty's eyes, green light in a bunny and all that and it (laughs) went through all their travel all through the day and then at the end of the day it was just a red light and a green light blinking in the darkness and the pages were all kind of sepia tone except for on every page there was a red light and a green light and you had to find them sometimes they're really small oh that's lovely I could talk for a week or two to you about favorite books Yes. Um, I've liked several of them that people have talked about. Little House was also a favorite. Oh, and yes. Charlotte's Web, of course, because my name is Charlotte. 
Yeah. And then on my 18th birthday, my mom bought me another copy of Red Light, Green Light, because the one I had as a child was long gone. And today is my 65th birthday. Oh, yeah. You should be talking about it today. And that's also kind of neat because I like to say I was born blind, but I wasn't really blind. I was just too fat, and I didn't open my eyes for the first week. (laughs) Just like And then I got into dogs and cats, and so I figured I was destined to be with dogs and cats since they can't see for the first week either. (laughs) That's great. Look at you, Charlotte. Happy birthday. I'm glad Happy you were birthday. able to get here. Happy 65th. Oh, you've, all the places you'll go. All the years <laughs> you have ahead of you. Uh, let's end with Barbara in Akron, Ohio. Barbara, the book that you have for us? Well, I, I started out wanting to talk about The Hiding Place. And then I switched with what you were talking about with um, Oswald Chambers, hmm. my utmost for his highest. Mm-hmm. Because if I, now I'm doing this from memory and I haven't looked at it for a long time, but uh, I believe on August 31st, the end of that one, the end of that prayer is um, the, the life that is rightly related to Christ is as natural as breathing wherever it goes. Wow. See, that's that's it. You memorized something that Chambers wrote that wasn't his his wife was the one who put that together because he he passed away. My utmost for his highest. Stacy agrees with you. Stacy says, it's like I'm reading something I wrote to myself. I connect on a spiritual level with Oswald Chambers. So thank you, Barbara, for calling in. That's all the time we have for today. But I want to end this, Rosie, with you telling us, what do we do with, you know, with all these books that we've heard and somebody who's listening who says, I don't have anything like that because I'm not that good of a reader or whatever. What, would, what challenge would you give them? I would say to them, don't despise children's literature. Pick out a children's version of Pilgrim's Progress for starters and just start with that or the Narnia series. Yes. Love it. I'm so glad that you had this idea. Rosie, you keep these ideas coming. Because I can tell from the folks who are calling in here today, there's just a light about this. And for those on Facebook and who have uh, written, this is a a really good thing. Really wonderful. And maybe one of these days uh, we'll do a program on that new book that you're writing. (laughs) And that will be one of the things that sparks in somebody's heart and energizes them. Let's talk about it. Uh, Go to the website. You can find out more about Rosie's book, uh, Unhindered, Unseduced, Unshaken, and do that at chrisbaverylive.org. Our program is production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.